return you to the Killer Bees. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River Nine. Here are your bees, Joel Crank and Laramie Cranham. I haven't heard that one in a while. He's Blank on Brandon. We're broadcasting live East River Nine. Presenting sponsor, Gentle Ben. We're being joined now by Todd Callis, the TV voice of the Houston Astros. Todd, thanks for hanging out with us. You're here in person, not just your voice. <laughs> I can see you're a human being. Yeah. Uh, just rolled in. I was over at the uh, press conferences at Minute Maid Park, so got to check those out. And The Twins are working out right now. The Astros worked out earlier, so... Yeah, this is cool. My first time here. I like it. Yeah, it's a good spot. How are the vibes over at uh, Minute Maid Park today? They're good. Uh, you know, the Astros have been there, done that. It's kind of newish for a lot of the Twins, other than Carlos Correa and a few others. But, uh, you know, Carlos is, is the true leader of that team. He got them here. He helped get them here. Uh, he's finally getting back towards 100% health. I think it's going to be a tough series. The Twins have some good pitching. Um, pitching can win in the postseason, especially in a short series, five games. So we'll see how it plays out. Astros need to get that first one tomorrow for sure. Yeah, Todd, I look at it and, and I look at this Twins team, and everybody's obviously focused on the leader and Carlos Correa. Royce Lewis is a hell of a talent. <laughs> and, and this guy, when healthy, has shown why he was the number one overall pick in the draft a few years back. But that's a different ball club with him in the middle of the lineup. And I think as much as the Astros, when they played the Royals towards the end of the season, kind of just didn't think Bobby Witt Jr. was the guy that they had to pitch around that they had to worry about, and he got him a couple times. I think that's the guy, if you're the Astros and the pitching staff, you really got to focus on. Yeah, hard to argue with that. He is a, he's a stud. Um, not sure if he's going to play the field or not. I know he's going to take some grounders today to see how that goes, but still not running 100% with that hamstring injury. Uh, but he is, a, he is a weapon. He's definitely a weapon. He helped propel them to a victory in game one against the Blue Jays. They will have to watch him for sure in that lineup, but uh, they remind me slightly of Baltimore in that, you know, they, they've got pieces one through nine. They don't rely too heavily on one guy. But, yeah, if you're going to focus on one guy, uh, Royce Lewis isn't a bad guy to start with. That lineup's interesting, too. They, they strike out a lot, but they hit a lot of home runs. And it seems like in playoff baseball, home runs always are significant, right? But that three-run homer in playoff baseball just feels a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's a short series especially. You, you get out. If they get that first game, if Minnesota gets that first game tomorrow against JV, then – They've used up their number three or four starter in Bailey Ober while they have their one and twos lying in wait. Uh, excellent pitchers in Pablo Lopez and also Sonny Gray. So, yeah, if, you, if they get that first one, that's why, you know, you, everyone wants to win game one, but it's even more imperative for the Astros to win game one. JV will give up his share of home runs. We know that. But the Twins hit home runs, but they also give up a lot of home runs. And hopefully the Astros end up with more big flies tomorrow in a place where they haven't played their best baseball all year. But, uh, postseason could be a different animal to, for sure. Ty, we kicked it around a little bit until we saw the actual rotation set up for the, the early games in the series, thinking that Frommer might be the guy that gets the ball in game one, and Dusty went to his trusted veteran and went to Justin Verlander. Any surprise from you in terms of who would be one, who would be two? I didn't I didn't really think there was a definitive answer there. I, I thought they could have gone either way. Uh, certainly the Twins have a lot of lefties, so you think maybe the lefty Frommer gets the start. But Justin, get, JV this year has pitched well against lefties. I think his splits are even better against lefties and righties this season. So uh, Dusty's an old school guy. He is always going to lean towards the veteran. Uh, I think you know those. We're, they're going to have to decide between one of those two guys if it gets to a game five. And, and I think JV probably will still get the ball game five. I think the good news too was if you looked at 
and we kept saying biggest game of the year, biggest game of the year. But Justin's last two starts were in really, really big situations, and he came out looking really, really good. So I'm sure that didn't hurt Dusty's decision. Yeah, huge games in Seattle, and then again uh, in the final series in Arizona, where where JV pitched both of those series. Fromber only pitched the first game in in uh, the second game in Seattle, didn't pitch in Arizona. So. Even though Frommer's more rested, I, I, JV obviously with that time off with the AL, not having to play the AL wildcard series, he's ready to go. Uh, you lead on experience, and the fact that he finished strong is kind of a probably, if there was a debate, probably tip the scales in, in Berlander's favor. Todd Callis joining us live at East River 9. Todd, you kind of talk about the rotation a bit. Justin Verlander at the top, Frommer game two. They haven't announced a game three, game four starter. I, I think we all kind of guess that it's going to be Christian Javier in game three. I know Dana Brown had the comments that Arquiti's going to be out of the pin in the games at Minute Maid Park. Any guess, I guess, hypothesis of what the Astros would do in a game four should they get there? I think it could be a piggyback between two of the three guys, either Arquiti, J.P. France, or Hunter Brown. Um, the, the rosters don't have to come out till tomorrow. That's going to be interesting to see who's left off that roster because there's going to be somebody who is expecting to pitch in the postseason is probably going to be left off that roster. Uh, but two of those three guys will probably be a piggyback scenario. I don't think you'll see anybody pitch five innings in a game four situation, but um, hopefully we don't get there. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think what, I think think you'll see a piggyback in game four and then probably JV back here game five if necessary. Todd, we look at the – you've been our resident Michael Brantley expert uh, <laughs> late in the season since he came back, and – you know, when he plays, it's a different offense. He, he is different, and, and they are obviously putting a lot of crooked numbers up when he plays. There was concerns. We're being told he's 100%. Will he stay 100%? Do you see him right away game one starting lineup, and, or is he going to be you know, only against righties? How do you think they're going to use Michael Brantley getting into the postseason? Yeah, so that's the big question because tomorrow, more than likely, Mauricio Dubon is going to be in center field with Verlander pitching, so then it's who's your left fielder and who's your DH. Jordan's going to be one of those two spots. So then you're choosing between Michael or Chaz. Uh, that's going to be a really, really tough decision for Dusty and the staff tonight when they go through that lineup. I think it's all righties for the Twins. Uh, no matter who it's going to be, Joe Ryan would be game four if they get to a game four. But the first three are going to be Ober, Lopez, and Gray. Those are all righties. And then Ryan also a righty. So from that standpoint, I think you're going to see Michael Brantley play at least two of the first three games. I doubt he'll play all three. Uh, but whether that's one or three will have to remain to be seen. But, um, yeah, it's a tough call for Dusty. I, you, can't, you can't go wrong, you can't go right picking Michael or Chaz based on the year McCormick's had. Half the fan base will be upset. Half the fan yeah, base will right. defend him. That's how it's uh, with every lineup that comes out with Dusty Baker, certainly. What, the, the 26 man on this roster I find to be very interesting because I don't think you have this problem in the ALCS if you get there, a World Series if you get there, because you're going to keep that 13th pitcher. Most times, the ALDS teams will keep the 12th pitcher instead of that 13th guy. I, I'm thinking that the Astros might keep an extra pitcher because of the, the piggyback that you mentioned. There's not maybe a great option for the, the 14th position player. I'm fascinated to see what that 26-man roster looks like tomorrow. Yeah, me too. It's, it's not necessary, as you said, usually in a five-game series because you have two days off. So you only play five games in a seven-day span. You usually don't need that 13th pitcher. Uh, you go with three and a half, four starters, plus that extra guy as the, as the bulk guy in the bullpen. So um, it's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there's going to be somebody, whether it's one of those three guys that I figure two are going to be piggybacks or whether it's a guy like a Ryan Stanek, uh, if they do go with 12 pitchers, one of those guys would be left off. If they go with 13, they'd all be available to be on the roster. So 
Uh, it's a tough call. We'll have to see how that plays out tomorrow. But in the in the past, I would say fourteen and twelve was the better mix. Yeah. But this year, it might be a thirteen and thirteen. Singleton is probably the other guy kind of on the fence with all this because if you have Mike and you have Yiner coming off the bench or however you get decide to use those guys, we had talked about, are they going to go the pitcher route? Are they going to go Singleton? I would think they go the pitcher route, and then Singleton's the odd man out. But I'm curious if you think that there's a chance that Singleton would be there. Yeah, I do. Uh, Dusty loves having a lefty off the bench, and if Michael plays, he's the lone lefty off the bench. But then who do you go with? Uh, you know, Kessinger's got to be your backup middle infielder. Jake Myers has been there all year, and he can provide you some speed and some defense at the end of the game. So it would seem to be Singleton if, it, if they do go to one fewer guy on the, on the bench, but I know how much Dusty loves having that lefty. So it may not be as cut and dry as people think. Minnesota's going to go with Bailey Ober. You mentioned uh, a moment ago, uh, TK. It's a little bit of a surprise, at least for me. I thought it was going to be Joe Ryan. But Bailey Ober gets the nod, 8-6 and six with a 343 ERA. Looking at him a little bit earlier, he's a big boy, 6'9", yeah. 260 pounds. But he doesn't throw overly hard. Hadn't faced the Astros since 2021, so the Astros haven't seen him in a while. What, what are the Astros getting in Ober? I know you haven't prepped them because you haven't seen him in a while, but what does he bring to the table? Yeah, I haven't done all my work on Ober, but well, – what you say is accurate. He hasn't faced them since 21. I think that was part of the equation for Rocco Baldelli uh, to name him the starter because they haven't seen him recently. They did hit around Joe Ryan earlier this year. So I think when it came down to it, Rocco said he hadn't made the decision until earlier today. And that's why he didn't tell Bailey over to about half an hour before his press conference. So um, I, I think the Twins were debating up until today whether it's going to be Joe Ryan who was slated to go game three if the Toronto Blue Jays won that second game. Uh, now Ryan would be slated for game four it looks like. Uh, Ober is a guy that doesn't throw overly hard but both times he pitched against the Astros in 21 he pitched pretty well. Um, he's a guy that has been up and down this year a little bit didn't make the opening day roster got sent down later in the season and, and seems to have a good attitude going into this series after not being on the wild card series. He kind of knew the process that he wasn't going to pitch against Toronto and they were possibly saving him for the Astros and uh, he seemed pretty confident and ready to go tomorrow and he said it's something he's he's dreamed about his whole life is a pitch in the postseason. So uh, it's going to be a great stage for him going against Justin Verlander in front of a sold-out Minute Maid Park crowd. Yeah, the important huge, like you mentioned, game one, especially the, the Twins played that wild card series. Todd's going to hang out with us for one more segment broadcasting live at East River Nines. The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Todd Callis joining us live at East River Nine. I'm not going to ask Todd who his favorite Killer Bee is. <laughs> certain guy who may have been the general manager in the offseason. Uh, Todd, tell us a little bit about the uh, the regular season. I, be, I know the playoff baseball starts tomorrow. All the attention is there. But a regular season that was up and down. You still win the division, though. You had a dramatic finish in order to do so. You won your last four. You sweep Arizona, another playoff team. When you look back at this regular season, what are some thoughts you have about the Strohs? Yeah, it was scary down the stretch. There was a lot of anxiety that final week, uh, even with two days to go. Seattle, Texas, the Astros all could have been in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, or the wild card or the division winner. So uh, that's a lot of stress going in. I was, you know, feeling all these other years we kind of had a little cakewalk the final week or two, and this year uh, they really had to battle to get in thanks to their own doing, not playing well at home, not playing well against Kansas City in particular or Oakland uh, during that stretch of 12 games facing the Royals six times and the A's three times. So to me it was a team that turned it on and turned it off a little bit, and they turned it on at the right time. And that bodes well for the playoffs because if they are a team that can kind of show up and not have their best intensity against the Kansas City team, but they do against Seattle and Arizona when it mattered the most, obviously the intensity is going to be there for the playoffs, you would think. Todd, I'm curious, as we talk about that, we saw 
a, a big free agent signing with Jose Abreu. We saw him struggle, and we didn't know if this was just kind of like him on the downside or what was going on. Then we heard about the back problem. You watched him every every night, day in, day out. There has been a difference that people are now talking about of after he got off that stint on the IL where he rested the back and since he's come back. And, and we can look at the series in Arizona when he was a one-man wrecking crew. How big of a difference have you seen in what Abreu is now as opposed to what he was for the majority of the season? Yeah, it was big to see him finish up like that because it was still going to be his worst year no matter what, even if he finished strong like he did in September. Uh, just never got going up until that final month. Uh, a little bit better since coming off the IL. He's still a guy that seems like he, he he needs a day off here and there, and I think the fact that you get in the playoffs, you play two, you're off, you play two, you're off, that's going to help him out. Uh, but, yeah, he was a guy, even when he was struggling April through you know August, he's a guy that kept driving in runs, especially with two outs. He was up there batting average runners in scoring position, two outs. As bad as he was struggling, he still was that same RBI machine that he was in the past in limited opportunities because he didn't hit very well. Uh, so 90 RBIs, as bad as it was for him, if, if your worst year is a 90 RBI year, that's still not too shabby. You get the uh, the old debate nowadays, the wild card series new to baseball, new-ish to baseball, and you have the, the debate of rest versus rust. Frankly, for me, I want nothing to do with a wild card series. Your season can be over in two games. Now, it is not natural for a baseball team to have five days off without playing real games. What, what side of the rest versus rust do you land? Uh, it, you can make a case for both sides. I think this year's team in particular, you have to take it year by year. This year's team in particular needed the rest. They were kind of gassed going into that final uh, day in Arizona. I think their bullpen was gassed a little bit. Presley was not, obviously not available that last day. So they needed the rest. So this year I think you definitely want the rest as opposed to the rest. You want the rest you don't worry about the rust. Uh, but that was always my concern going in once they added this wild card round was how do you do that and keep it fair to the teams that are going to be resting the whole time. But Astros figured it out last year. The Braves did not. The Dodgers did not in the long run. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out this year. I think if a lot of number one seeds or two seeds continue to get knocked out, then the teams are going to say, well, maybe it's not that bad if we play in the wild card series. But to your point, you can get knocked out in two days. You don't have Sonny Gray or you don't have Pablo Lopez if you're the Twins available for game one. So, yeah, I'll take the rest any day. I'm curious too, Todd, looking at this team, what you think the biggest factor is for success for the Astros? Because we know starting pitching has been an issue all season long, and it's been a, a, a variety of different guys in and out and losing guys for the season. But the defense was uncharacteristically not what it was in years past. And you know that every mistake is magnified come playoff time. Uh, if you were to say one key for the Astros to be successful in this series and beyond that you'll be looking at, what might that be? Yeah, I, I think defense is part of it, but I think – defense helping out your starting pitching I think if they get a lead to the bullpen they're in really good shape even though there have been blips on the radar this year with Montero and others I think for the most part this has been a bullpen that's gotten the job done down the stretch so for me if you get your starters to give the ball to the bullpen with a lead and part of being a starter giving your ball to the bull or giving your ball to the bullpen with a lead late is if you have good defense behind you, it helps you get through six instead of five it helps you get through six and a third instead of five and two thirds so the the Defense has to shore up. The defense this year was middle of the road, which isn't usually where the Astros are, but they were right near the top in unearned runs, so every mistake they made was a critical mistake. So uh, they need to tighten up their defense. They know they didn't play their best defensively this year, and that needs to be part of the equation. But 
Starting pitching and defense go hand-in-hand, hand, and that, to me, is the key. As long as that's good, they should be fine. Todd Callis joining us out at East River 9. I look at the back end of this Twins bullpen, and how can you not be impressed with Yoan Duran? This guy is filthy. It's got to be one of the filthiest guys in all of baseball. He might be. I, we saw Felix Bautista earlier, and the Astros were able to get to him. But between Bautista, who's not healthy anymore, unfortunately, for the Orioles, and Duran, I think you're talking about two of the most intimidating and best closers in the game. Duran has that incredible fastball at 100 plus but he also has a breaking ball that's his best pitch usually a guy who has a 100 plus mile an hour fastball does not have a pitch that's actually better than that but he does so late in the game if the twins have a lead and they hand the ball off to him it's going to be a challenge for the astros so uh hopefully they can get to the to the twins starters or their bullpen before duran has a chance to finish it off you've been in enough uh, games a uh, playoff game situation seen enough major league baseball to know how important the bullpen is coming into the playoff series, any playoff series. But you also know that, kind of like what you were saying, a lot of times you want that quality start. You want that starter to get you into the sixth, and the bullpen can take over from there. We know in playoff baseball, managers can go to the bullpen as early as we saw in this in this Minnesota uh, wildcard series where Toronto went to the bullpen before you took out one of their studs before they even got to the fifth inning. Do you see any changes in the bullpen in the backside, like Abreu, maybe being used in a more high-leverage situation maybe earlier in the game or shifting around the, the kind of mainstay we're used to of the seventh being Neris, the eighth being Abreu, and the ninth being Presley. I think you're going to see some guys shift earlier, but I don't think you're going to see Abreu and Presley shift earlier. I think it might be a Neris. It could be, you know, Graven, Maton, whoever they choose to go earlier, whether it's a fourth, fifth, sixth inning situation instead of a seventh. Uh, but I think they're going to probably keep Abreu eight, Neris 9. Now, having said that, if it gets to a critical juncture in the series where you're down 2-1 and you need a big out in the sixth inning, uh, maybe that's where an Abreu factors in. But uh, as I said earlier, Dusty's kind of old school. I don't think you're ever going to see uh, like a Blake Snell situation or a Jose Barrio situation with the Astros where Verlander's only going uh, you know, right. two times through the lineup or Fromber's only going to go two times through the lineup. Dusty has ridden those guys in the past. He's going to ride those guys in the postseason. Even if the analytics say he should only go two times through the lineup, which I can't imagine for one of those two guys. Uh, Dusty's going to err on the side of believing in a starter. On the flip side of that, do you see an op- We saw it in that last series, or series when he was trying to get extra extra outs out of those guys. Maybe a Neris, maybe an Abreu, maybe being used more than an inning. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, he tried to bridge, I, I guess, three of those guys for yeah. four innings one of those games. Uh, probably in Seattle, I believe. But Finale. yeah. The finale the fin- in Seattle. Yeah, finale yeah. in Seattle. So I could see that in a playoff scenario, asking those three guys, Neris, Abreu, Presley, to get 12 outs. But again, it's probably more likely in game three or four than in game one. You don't want to start to text your guys first game out of the gates. Todd Callis joining us uh, live at East River 9 in the flesh. Uh, Space City Home Network, uh, the yeah. new home for Astros baseball. We aren't accustomed to seeing you much in the postseason. <laughs> Are we going to see more of you this postseason? Yeah, uh, the only time you would see me is in line for beverage uh, <laughs> down in the left field corner, usually near, near St. Arnold's. But yeah, I would say this year you'll probably see me on the air and not in the beer lines especially. <laughs> uh, so it's cool. Blummer, Julia, myself. Blummer, Julia's always kind of been involved either through the Astros social media. She's always been involved postseason. But this year, Blummer and I are going to be, when the team's on the road, we're going to host out of the out of the uh, Space City Home Network studios. And then Julia's going to be traveling with the team. And then we're the, when they're home, Blummer and I are going to be at the stadium here at Minute Maid Park. But we're going to do like a couple of segments from the stadium. Uh, and then they're going to host from the studio Kevin Eschenfelder and either Mike Stanton or Brian Bogusevic and Michael Bourne, Clay Hensley, one of those analysts. So uh, I'm excited. We've never been a part of the postseason coverage in the past. Um, 
mostly I'm just excited to be a part of the new network that is trying to uh, find more programming than we found in the past. That was never a thing under AT&T. So uh, this is, it's going to bode well for Astros fans. It's going to bode well for us. We get to be more part of this of the postseason than just being a fan of the crowd. I was going to say, because when, when we first started all that, when I was still with the Rockets and we started Comcast Sportsnet Houston, 40% of the city couldn't get Astros or Rockets, and they had local programming all the time. The refreshing thing is getting now with the, the up-and-coming Rockets, but more so how great the Astros have been, to get that extra kind of programming that people are dying for to see more of, not just in the playoffs, but all season long. The fact that you have that local ownership and that stability, even for you guys, makes a big difference to the fans and everybody involved. Yeah, and, and I know uh, inside story here that when I was interviewing for the job and we did got through all the interviews and they said, do you have any questions for us? And my one question was, what's our situation if we get to the postseason? And they said, well, at that point we pretty much – we're done. We focus it on the Rockets, and, and our season's over after Game 162. And I was that was of all the things that I went through in the interview. That was the only disappointment is that you know every team I've been with in the past, once you get to the playoffs, the TV crew is still involved in some way. So I'm happy to be involved finally in our seventh year, and hopefully many more years That's beyond great. this. But it was it was tough sitting out those first six years for sure. Yeah, I bet. Don't uh, don't always believe what, everything you read on the internet, but the rumor is that you're doing the play ball chant before <laughs> game one. One is this true? Two, have you started practicing your play ball? We've done it before. Oh, okay, All so right. we're part of the hype crowd tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll be the three of us. And yeah, we're we're we'll hopefully get, uh, the place doesn't need much to ignite it, so we'll probably just be a small little match to to get that place lit up. But we're gonna we're gonna fire up some fans tomorrow before pitch one, and I can't wait to be uh, on the field and on the mic and get ready for that first pitch from JV. I was gonna say the one thing that we've been dealing with is people worried about that hangover of that home field disadvantage. I said it's going to be a different atmosphere. Playoffs in Houston for baseball are raucous and ridiculous. I would assume you feel the same way. There shouldn't be nothing to worry about. Yeah, and the one thing that has impressed me more than anything about this run is Astros fans bring it every year. Like, you can be a little bit complacent when you go six years in a row, especially when you go to the ALCS. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of postseason money out of people's wallets. Uh, that's a lot of yelling. And, and to bring the energy – Every series from every year since 2017, I'll even go back to the 15 uh, wildcard series against the Royals, to bring it all those years, it's impressive. To me, there's been no drop-off. Obviously, winning it all last year doesn't hurt, but there's been no drop-off for six years. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great place to take in some playoff baseball. Enjoy it tomorrow. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us here in person. Yeah, good to be with you guys in person. Thanks for having me. It's Todd Callis, TV voice of the Houston Astros, and you can see him uh, throughout the postseason as well. It's Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9 on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.